Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and got another great show for you tonight. Going to be starting off here in just a few moments uh, with another great round of Coach's Corner. And I've got two uh, fabulous uh, professionals who've been on the show many times, uh, Jamie Leno-Zimron and, of course, uh, Pete Buchanan are going to be uh, rounding out the Coach's Corner panel tonight. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by lifetime member of the PGA Tour, uh, first-time guest on the show, Wally Armstrong, will be coming on the second hour of the show. So glad you could tune in tonight. It's going to be a great show. And let me just remind everybody, of course, all of, all of the particulars here. Uh, as always, we are live Thursday evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. Central uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And best way to find us, of course, is go to blogtalkradio.com and up in the search key type uh, Golf Talk Live, and that will take you to the main page. And, of course, during the live broadcast, it will be front and center. Um, but for those of you that can't tune in live, not to worry. Uh, again, visit that link, blogtalkradio.com, and uh, go to the home page there in Golf Talk Live. And just scroll down the page a little bit, and you'll see the on-demand section. And in uh, chronological order, of course, uh, newest shows or the most current shows will always be at the top. And you can go back and listen to uh, whatever show uh, you missed. Or maybe you want to listen to a show again that uh, a particular favorite guest was on or or, uh, Coach's Corner panel discussion that you enjoyed and maybe like to get a few pointers. uh, By all means, visit the on-demand section there. You can also uh, listen to it uh, if you're somebody that enjoys uh, through iTunes.com or Stitcher.com. Those are two great platforms as well. Again, just go to the uh, search key and type in Golf Talk Live, and you can listen to it, uh, the show as well uh, every week at uh, iTunes.com and Stitcher.com as well. And as always, I update the shows on uh, social media. Facebook.com uh, uh, forward slash Golf Talk Live blog is the, uh, the main page, but I also update it on my personal pages as well. Uh, also uh, on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck. CEO, CEO, of course, being in capital letters. The show, of course, is always updated there. And even at LinkedIn.com, I post it through LinkedIn. So uh, thanks for following everybody and uh, for keeping uh, up to date with all of the current shows. And uh, as I said, we've got a great show, great show for you tonight. Uh, Going to be starting things off with Coach's Corner. Uh, so let me just bring the panel out here. Uh, first one, of course, is uh, Jamie Leno-Zimron. She's a Class A uh, LPGA teach professional and has been a part of our Coach's Corner team for some time now. Uh, always uh, up to interesting things, as, as usual. Uh, she's a passionate pioneer in body-mind uh, approaches to peak performance and well-being. Uh, she's also been both a junior and senior golf champion and is the founder of Ki Golf uh, Training, the Ki Way, Inc., and Every Businesswoman Golf. Known as the Golf Sensei Master Instructor, she brings holistic teachings uh, to golfers and leaders, uh, which is called from her rich background as a fifth-degree Aikido black belt. Uh, she's also a psychologist, sports counselor, uh, corporate speaker, and executive coach. And rounding up the panel tonight, of course, is another favorite on the show, Pete Buchanan. Uh, he is the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf, LLC, uh, which, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit, 
and the simple swing repeater training brace. Uh, teaching over the last uh, 30 years plus, Pete has been simplifying uh, his golf swing philosophy in an effort to make it easier for you guys and simple for players to play this great game. So, guys, uh, without further ado, uh, welcome to uh, Coach's Corner on Golf Talk Live. Thank you, Ted. Very happy to be here and uh, with my esteemed colleagues. <laughs> Always great to, to talk with you and, and uh, connect with your audience. It's uh, an honor. Great. Thank you, Jamie, and, and Pete as well. Thank you for, uh, for dialing in tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, guys, we're going we're gonna to handle uh, a topic, actually, that I mentioned. Oh, I think, actually, we lost Pete. We'll wait for Pete to call back in. But um, let me just uh, sort of set the, the, uh, the face of the show tonight. Um, we're going to uh, talk about the uh, dealing with an aging population. Let me just bring Pete back on here. Hey, Sorry, Pete, we sir. lost you there for a second, but no, yep, not, a, yep, I'm not a problem. Sorry about that. Um, not, not a problem. Just as I was saying, uh, the, the conversation that we're going to talk about tonight, guys, is dealing with an aging golf population. Now, this was a topic, as I mentioned just a moment ago off air, uh, that Cindy Miller and I on the Women of Golf Show, which airs Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com uh, network. Uh, we started this conversation, so I thought this would be an interesting topic. We've never really touched this on, on this show here on Golf Talk Live's uh, Coach's Corner and I thought, uh, what a couple of great pros to, to uh, dial into this conversation as well here uh, tonight. So let me start it off first and just say, um, one of the things that I think that a lot of people um, need to know, not just the students out there, but even fellow teach professionals, um, we deal with a lot of uh, a variety of different students uh, of all different ages, uh, for the most part, uh, from junior golfers right up to our senior golfers. But uh, we're going to focus on the senior golfers tonight. So. My question is this, and I'm going to go ladies first, if you don't mind, Jamie. Um, does our teaching method or philosophy, if you will, need to adjust uh, in order to adapt and meet the ever-changing goals and needs of our aging golfing population? Always great questions, Ted. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> you know, I think that we have to look at uh, – in the LPGA, for example, we have what we call student-centered learning. And so regardless, whoever your student is, uh, regardless of age or ability level, whatever uh, the particulars are of that, of that person or that group, you really, we really as professionals and teachers need to orient and be sensitive to what are their needs, why are they playing golf, uh, what's their, what are their physical capabilities, what are really their interests, what uh, other sports background do they have or not, are they playing golf for social reasons, for uh, uh, competitive reasons, for uh, health reasons, for enjoyment reasons, and it could be some all of the above. So I think that the, that student-centered approach is always, always important, and that there are some particulars for the more, say, senior or aging population. I mean, we're all aging, right? But there comes a time, when, right? <laughs> uh, you know, physical. Uh, we start noticing that oh, we're a little less uh, flexible, strength waning a little bit, uh, rotational ability, whatever it is, uh, that these things are, are really starting to change. And so I think we really have to address ourselves to those issues in a big way. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on a few of those points that you just mentioned uh, here in just a moment as well. But uh, great answer, Jamie. Thank you as always. Um, Pete, I'm just going to add this to the to the question. Obviously, the same question to you, but um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, and I'm going to just throw a number out there just to, to kind of have something to, to use as a gauge. But you know, when we start talking about golfers that are up in their 60s, uh, maybe mid 60s, as an example. Um, 
and, and if they've been playing for any length of time, obviously if they're newer golfer, uh, again, we're going to change a little bit, but let's say they've been playing for a number of years. Um, do we want to spend less time really teaching the mechanics uh, of golf and maybe spend more on teaching them how to uh, increase their scoring opportunities uh, might be a better way to put it. Well, I think it really depends on, you know, the type of player that you have. Um, I think you always have to have sound fundamental mechanics. Um, that's going to enable right. them to be able to score better when they play. And, you know, my approach has always been, you know, the ball doesn't know how old you are. It only knows the club's going to hit it. So we have to be able to get the impact right first and get them under control of the golf ball. And then I think it's going to be much easier for them on the course to be able to play better. Um, you know, controlling the golf ball, I think, is the simplest part of, of golf. Playing, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, you still have other situations right. you have to go out there with. But I think, you know, you have to have some uh, ability to control the golf ball and some consistency in the impact with good, solid fundamentals. And then I think it's going to be easier to get them to play better golf on the course. Yeah, and I guess the reason why, uh, you know, I, I pose this specific question, guys, is this. Um, you know, one of the biggest complaints I hear from a lot of senior golfers is obviously uh, lack of distance, um, obviously with, with some aches and pains that they're, they're experiencing as, as we all get older, we start to develop that. And, Jamie, you pointed out, you know, maybe a little less flexibility in that. Um, it, it doesn't really come so much uh, about uh, controlling because they're not able to, to utilize the, the swing fully that they maybe once did in their 20s, um, but their, their scoring is going up. Their scoring is not staying you know, level or even coming down. It's, it's creeping up there, and there becomes a, a certain dissatisfaction. So, uh, again, the reason why I wanted to ask that particular question is do we need to really focus on helping them score better because that's really what they want they want scoring back and yes certainly some want to increase distance and things like that but i think if their scores are are getting lower or or at least maintaining them and not going back up i think they're going to be relatively happy do you uh, either agree uh, jamie i'll let you respond first then then pete well i think it's hard as we you know grow older in any area of our life to sort of recognize that maybe our capabilities are not quite what they were before. And so when you say focusing on, uh, you know, being able to score, even if the distance, say, isn't quite there, um, I think that that is important. I think that it's, you know, we've got to help people have realistic expectations. I really appreciated Jack Nicholas right. going out there and saying, you know what, play the tees that match your game. Because let's say, yep. Let's say that you've lost 10 or 20 yards. Well, move up the tees, and there's your 10, 20 yards. Play the game, score, enjoy yourself. And so I think that uh, you know our egos can get in the way. Let's put it that way. And right. It's so it, it was so nice to have someone like Jack Nicholas just say, "Hey, this isn't an ego thing. This is like enjoy yourself. Play with uh, with relative to what your capabilities are." And uh, you know, in that regard, I think that people can uh, certainly enjoy themselves. My approach is very much for everybody, and especially for the aging golfers, is around make, I call it make your golf club your health club. I've talked about it before. But it's a whole kind of fitness system mm-hmm. that I've developed, and it really uses your golf club as your health club. There are exercises to increase flexibility, strength, um, uh, pattern the golf swing for consistency, all these sorts of things. And I think that if we take the attitude that 
playing golf, um, even more than maybe other sports, except for maybe something like swimming or basic walking, which anybody can do, but playing golf is a fantastic way to keep your physical fitness up, to keep your social engagement up, to keep your mind sharp, that there are so many benefits to playing golf. Um, And if we look at it that way, and really utilize golf as a way to, uh, you know, be our be our health club. Wow! I mean, as as we always say, golf is something you can play into your later years and really get so much benefit out of. And I think that because golf is time consuming, we find that there are many people who don't even get around to playing golf at all or playing as much golf as they'd like until their retirement years. And that's a great thing. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's right. And uh, great answer, by the way. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and and Pete, I guess the reason why, again, I was posing this particular um, discussion tonight is, uh, again, just some of the feedback, and I'm sure we've all had similar feedback uh, with some of the players. And I think when I when I, I say scoring opportunities, I'm really talking about uh, helping them play the round a little bit uh, with more confidence. Uh, obviously, if they're not able to rely on the distance that they once had, um, they got to think smarter. And, and Jamie, as you pointed out, you know, Jack Nicholas, thank thank the good Lord, uh, talked about moving, you know, up to a forward tee uh, as one of the options to, to help uh, alleviate the distance problem. Uh, but there are other factors out there. Um, you know, there's golfers out there that maybe, uh, again, due to, to physical impalements, maybe have difficulties taking the club all the way back. So they've had to shorten their backswing and, and make some adjustments. So uh, I think we need to be conscious of that, obviously, and, and consider that. Uh, as we get more and more golfers to to help them stay in the game. And and, uh, as Jamie just pointed out, some great reasons to stay in the game. But uh, any final thoughts before we move on, Pete, on on that particular topic? Well, you know, I didn't want to, you know, discount the the importance of, you know, the short game and the scoring ability on the golf course. I mean, that's always going to be something that's important. But, you know, I have found, especially with those that are in their, as I call, more experienced players, um, getting right. getting the sound fundamentals down, and not only feed Thank into you, the full swing, but they <laughs> but they feed into the short game. Yeah, I I always call them more experienced. I think that's a better way to do it. Um, they certainly have more experience playing at it than I do. But um, right. you know, in in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I'll tease them and say, you know, well, you know, I've got a lot of years of experience. We have to change. I mean, you've been doing it this way for forty years, right. and so we have to go about you know making it. And I think the swing has to be efficient so that it has, you know, I always call it the least road travel. Let's get it so you don't have to make right. so many compensations. And now we can make it more efficient in which every one of them that I've had have hit it further. So I'm not worried about the distance factor of it because I know they're going to hit it a little bit further because we're going to make it more efficient. But, yes, getting them on the golf course, getting them in situations and helping them understand, you know, when I'm in this situation, what's the best way to, to handle this? And I think, yes, you're absolutely right. We can certainly take them around and make them better players by just getting them to understand a little bit better about what's going on on the golf course. Yeah, exactly. Um, Pete, I'm going to bounce right back to you here with this particular question here. Start, you start first, and then, and then Jamie, uh, by all means, jump in. Um, but, you know, equipment is a big factor as well. Uh, you know, a lot of people have a favorite uh, set of clubs that they've been playing for years. Um, but as, as time goes on, you know, obviously you want to make sure your grips are, are, are fresh in that every season, if, depending on how much you play. Um, you want to make sure you're playing the right equipment as well. Um, obviously, as we get older, uh, different flex shafts uh, might, you know, might be necessary, or it might be um, a time to update that, that set of golf clubs as well. I know you hate to, 
to, to give them away or hate to, to lock them away for, for good. But, um, Pete, the truth of the matter is that can make a huge difference for a lot of our senior players as well or, or um, more advanced players because, uh, you know, if they're playing equipment they've had for 20 years, the technology has changed so much. So talk a little bit about that, the importance of, of that uh, aspect and some of the benefits maybe that they can do with that. Well, there's no question today with the outfits that are out there, um, and I'll toss a name out there because I use them a lot here in St. Louis, the Code Club Champion. They have so many combinations of things in fitting that can just dial it in and make it so, so much easier and more efficient for them to get the clubs to fit what they're doing. And I know a lot of times they're a little bit hesitant because there's some expense involved, but I say, hey, look, let's start with a putter. Then let's go to your wedges. And then maybe let's look at a, yep. a fairway wood or a hybrid. You know, there are certain things, those scoring clubs. Let's look at the wedges. Let's look at the putter. Let's get those to fit for now so that we've got those scoring shots down, and then we can work into the rest of them. But, you know, I'm a prime example. I played Dynamic Gold S300 shaft forever, and, um, you know, now they're just too heavy And I, I, you know, for me. So, you know, I'm switching down into more flexible, lighter shafts, and I'm picking up 15 or 18 yards on an iron. So there's no question that the equipment today is so much better. The fits are so much more precise because of everything that they can use to make them. And, you know, I always recommend to all my players, you know, whether they're you know, senior or, or, you know, the younger ones, make sure the clubs fit because that's going to be a huge yeah. uh, thing you don't have to worry about uh, when you're playing golf to make it more efficient. You know, and something else too, uh, great answer, Pete, by the way. Uh, Jamie, on that on that theme, the other uh, thing too that Pete touched a little bit about on is looking at what clubs are in the bag uh, as well. I mean, you know, a lot of players maybe haven't changed out some of their uh, uh, longer clubs. They're maybe not using uh, a hybrid. Uh, maybe they should be switching to hybrid or fairway wood. Um, there's a lot of other utility woods out there as well. But the other thing as well, um, for some of those players that maybe have traditionally played a blade uh, iron for years. Um, maybe they need to, to look at a more forgiving uh, club head uh, design as well uh, as they as they get uh, up in age because you know their their abilities to connect with those blade uh, irons are not maybe as, as solid as they once were so that might be an option as well. What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I think you know I always say that it's not the driver, it's the driver. It's not the putter, it's the putter. So um, I really think that. We have to look at ourselves and our own fitness and our own uh, technique and you know, these kinds of things. That, that that really is what makes a difference. Clubs in and of themselves don't. That being said, I just can't uh, you know echo enough that having clubs that fit, having up-to-date equipment can actually blow people's minds. Uh, it, my mind was blown when yeah. I... Uh, I was away from golf for a while. I was, you know, kind of a junior champion, a star player, and then I was away busy with my martial arts and other things. When I came back to golf and picked up this new equipment, which I was hesitant to do, I was completely blown away. Right. It was fantastic. Um, and to have clubs that fit, to have clubs that are, you know, the, the latest new technology is just an incredible aid and, and feels so good. And the fact that we have hybrids, we have clubs that are, you know, much more, uh, shall we say, user-friendly. And I forgiving, can't yeah. say how often yeah. I, yeah, you know, forgiving. I bump into people all the time. Uh, in fact, I was just with a woman, um, she's a CEO, and I was uh, here in Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago as well, and uh, we went out for a lesson, and I looked at her clubs first thing, and her clubs were 15 years old. And, you know, she's kind of attached mm-hmm. to them. She doesn't play all that much and whatever. 
And I just said, would you run your business with, without the proper equipment, without updated equipment? She's like, no. I said, well, it's probably true in your golf clubs uh, as well. And I guarantee you, <laughs> right. you will be very, very pleasantly surprised, more than pleasantly surprised when you get updated clubs that really fit you. And she said, really? I said, yeah, it's, it's really, it's worth it. It's important. And not only that, it will thrill you. You'll be so happy. It's worth it, absolutely worth it. So she's gone out and done it, and she's just like, you know, she's already kind of over the moon about it. Um, and, you know, you don't have to spend uh, so much money. It's not necessarily that you have to drop so much money on it. Um, but, you know, get, getting some kind of fit and definitely updated clubs is, is a big a big part of things. And I will say this as well. Um, you know, ego, again, comes in. And I kind of noticed that it's more sort of a, a, a macho thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to go down some stiff shafts or go to a senior flex or something right. like that. But there's really no point in having your ego there. If it's easier on your body, if you're hitting the ball uh, better, why wouldn't you get clubs that fit what your, um, you know, what, what your, where your body's at now? Right, I, I agree, and and just for those of you listening out there with the with the laser printer technology out there, you can stick in that senior shaft and just print yourself off a stiff shaft label and peel it on there. <laughs> Nobody will know the difference anyway. So, you know, if you want to cheat a little bit and just make them look like you're still playing the same shaft, nobody will know the difference. Of course, you can't do that in competition, but um, but you know, you're right, Jamie. That's a that's a valid point. You know, a lot of people, especially well, the guys, it is it's a macho thing and. You know, we don't want to decrease, uh, um, you know, the flexibility of the shaft because we think it's going to take away. But really, I can't tell how many, you know, begin to tell you how many guys that I've uh, dealt with and that, that have gone out and made those changes to their equipment. And they said, Ted, I, I don't know why I didn't do this 10 years ago. And I said, well, that's yeah, what I've been exactly. telling you for the last 10 years is change the equipment. <laughs> All right, let, let's, let's well, move on. you know what's on. funny? Um, I, I, I just... Yeah, go ahead. Just pop something in there. Sure. I mean, you know, the ego thing, it pops up in so many different ways. Like, I'll notice it in myself, right? And I hear I'm a woman sure. golfer. It's like nobody knows if I'm hitting a 7-iron or an 8-iron. Uh, like, why why not let myself hit the 7-iron instead of be short? You know? Because nobody even knows. And this yeah. is, I mean, it shows up in so many different ways. And I think what we want is to just succeed and hit the ball well, enjoy ourselves, score well. And whatever that takes, uh, we ought to allow ourselves to do. My dad, bless his heart, he's 97 now, and, you know, he, uh, he's not playing now, but uh, not, so, not that long ago. And I would be amazed. I'd be like, Dad, you're, you know, 86 or whatever he was. Like, move up. Yeah. You can play the forward tees. Um, so it's, it's amazing how, how that goes. Yeah, it's true. And we're, we're all, as you said, as you guys both put out, we're, we're all – you know, slowly moving towards that, that number ourselves. And, and uh, you know, we have to be realistic in that. And this goes to another area, too. And, Pete, I'm going to start with you, is, is really reassessing your students' needs. How often should this be happening? Obviously, we, we do annual assess, uh, assess, assessments excuse me, uh, of our students. Um, and, obviously, our newer students that come in, we, we do a full uh, uh, spectrum assessment to, to get an idea of what we're working with. But, Pete, um, you know, if, if – if we're working with somebody in a fairly regular for coaching them or something, how often should be we reassessing their, that student's needs? Well, I can tell you, I do it all the time. Um, you know, I'm always, every time I see them, I'm going through and asking them questions. So, you know, how's your putting? How's your chipping? How's your pitching? You know, 
what things are you working on? What's giving you trouble? Um, I have a score sheet that I have a lot of players use, which has them mark the different types of shots they're playing during the rounds. And so that way we can see where they're struggling, where too many shots are coming from. And so I'm constantly talking to them about, you know, what's going on and not necessarily reevaluating the overall instruction that we're doing, but, you know, looking at how they're playing, what they're doing, what they're struggling with, and then making small moves to adapt to that, you know, maybe changing out the practice routine to emphasize, you know, more chipping or more pitching because they're struggling with it at that time. Um, so I'm, I constantly do it. So, you know, I know every year I do a reevaluation to start the year off because some of them haven't played all winter long. But, you know, during the season, you know, I'm always asking questions and always evaluating where they are and what they're doing and uh, making changes as necessary. Yeah, and I think it's important, uh, Jamie, as well, as, as Pete just pointed out, is, is keeping, a, a, you know, having the students. And actually, it's not just a matter or our responsibility to keep a good record of that as well, but we want to encourage the students to keep their own records, to, to sort of monitor and track uh, their progress throughout uh, our sessions, not to see that their goals and needs are being met. Um, so talk a little bit about that. What's your sort of philosophy or your approach on that? How often do you like to try to, uh, when you're working with students on a fairly regular basis, do you like to, to assess their needs and, and keep them updated with, with what's going on in the, in the process? Well, I think it's like Pete said, it's really keeping in constant communication. And if you're fortunate enough to see people regularly, they come to you on a regular basis which happens at a lot of clubs, uh, but a lot of times it doesn't happen. But if you do have that um, capability, it's great, as Pete was saying, to check in with them on uh, what's going on in different aspects of their game. Or maybe they get interested all of a sudden to work on a particular area of their game. Um, the other thing, uh, especially with people maybe that are uh, newer students for you or that you don't see so often, mm. I find that it, I always ask them, any aches, pains, injuries, surgeries I should know about um, <laughs> yep. could be affecting, right. <laughs> it could be affecting you. Um, even medications. Um, and yes. th- those are real things, you know. I mean, uh, and how, how is the person's stamina? Are they, uh, you know, are they, could they get dizzy? Could the heat be too much? Uh, what are they eating on the golf course? I mean, things like this are, are really, really important to, to how they're doing. And, you know, it may seem, it sound sort of funny, but uh, these are really, really essential to know. And it always amazes me when I ask those questions, you know, exchange injury surgeries, and people will go, oh, well, and they just sort of make light of something. I'm like, are you kidding? That just happened? Or uh, that, was, yeah. that was significant. <laughs> it might have happened. Uh, that, that car accident or that shoulder surgery eight years ago or 20 years ago, that's that matters and you know how is that feeling in your body right now how does that affect you limit you how's it feeling right now when you make this movement that we're working on in your golf swing is that being affected etc because it may be something we need to work around something we need to work through and uh, I don't know if we're you're going to aim the conversation a little bit more to this whole matter of physical conditioning but uh, and exercise Mm -hmm. but that is so important for all of us and you know, whether you're sort of a, a young gun who's wanting to be in tip-top Rory McIlroy or whatever type shape, or, you know, you're an aging golfer, uh, it, conditioning is so very, very important. And I've worked with golfers in their 80s, even into their 90s, when we can increase their flexibility or their extension or their stability or their balance a little bit, 
they start picking up three yards, five yards, eight yards uh, if we work on their conditioning and maybe some aerobic a little bit, um, riding a bicycle, swimming, or a stationary bicycle. It doesn't matter what it is. All of a sudden, their endurance is going up on the golf course, or they're uh, needing to take less Advil. They're, they're finding that they can play uh, 18 holes instead of nine holes or not poop out after 12 holes um, and, and kind of have things fall apart the rest of the way around. So, you know, a little, a little bit of fitness and conditioning goes a long way and can actually restore us, uh, restore the, the strength or the yardage or whatever that it seems we might be losing. I've seen people turn around and go back the other way, and they're so happy. Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent point. Yeah, that was going to be my next uh, point to jump into is about that. But I just wanted to clear uh, one thing or make one other uh, comment about what we were talking about. Um, you know, Cindy talked about, uh, you know, I'm talking about uh, my uh, co-host on uh, the Women of Golf show on Tuesday mornings, uh, LPJ professional Cindy Miller. Uh, and she talked about a student that she worked with recently that uh, kind of uh, on, on bunker shots, for instance, uh, kind of flinched in the bunker shot. And it just, you know, it was an aging golfer. And, and that's a very common thing, too, is they, they don't have that fluidity anymore. And, and again, that goes into, uh, Jamie, we're going to talk about here, and I know you've already pointed out some things is about the flexibility and the stress in the joints as, as we age. Um, you know, we've had years of maybe sports activity or uh, even just walking and, and um, doing all kinds of different exercise and things like that puts a lot of stress on the body. Um, that's a, a major thing, and also dietary and nutritional changes uh, might be needed. Ta- uh, Jamie, and I'm going to let you touch a little bit about that, and then Pete, uh, you know, if you want to jump in as well uh, with your thoughts and comments on that. But, Jamie, go ahead. Talk a little bit more about uh, some of our mature golfers out there uh, about the importance of, of keeping flexible and um, and uh, stress on joints and that, some of the things that maybe they can do? Well, there are so many exercises, really, that you can do. And, again, I love to use the golf club to do it because uh, and some people like to go to a gym or can go to a class. Any Anything is good. Um, when you can make your golf club your health club and it applies directly to your golf swing, and you already have golf clubs, you don't necessarily even have to go to a class or a gym. You know, you can do these exercises yourself and um, make them a part of your daily routine. Uh, that's a great thing. And you notice that you you have uh, those those health benefits, those fitness benefits uh, for just in general for your life. But um, some specifics, for example, I think one of the things that happens is that our range of motion, our rotational ability, um, our spinal health, the flexibility in our hips, those things tend to, you know, go down some uh, with aging. And uh, so it's really important to stretch the hips, to strengthen the, the um, hip flexors, the glute muscles, the, the quads, your legs. Um, these things uh, increase your balance. They can also prevent, help you prevent falls, which are probably the number one health hazard for seniors and for people as we age. So Strengthening our balance in our golf swing allows us to have greater distance, greater accuracy, and in our lives it can it can be life-saving, you know, um, so that um, falls don't happen. Um, so I mean, yeah. it's really working, particularly on the hips and and the legs, the spinal health, uh, really, really, really important. And I mean, I could go into some specific exercises. There's sure. plenty of them. But there are also things like, um, for example flaring your feet out a little bit, and especially the forward foot. 
uh, the left foot if you're a right-handed golfer, the right foot if you're a left-handed golfer. That allows you to get through the ball a little better. Sometimes making a little adjustment in the stance where your trail foot, um, you might drop back a little bit, and that just opens the hip up. It allows uh, rotation to happen more. Exercises to work on spinal rotation, to work on uh, range of motion in the shoulders, extension, so that you can extend down the line on your backswing and through the ball. And um, even, this may sound funny, but stretching out the muscles around your elbows <laughs> in your forearm and your mm, upper arm. Yeah. Because when you, have tight, when, you, when you have tight arms and tight elbows, then you tend to kind of uh, get the chicken wing effect. And that could be on the backswing or coming through the ball. And so just even stretching those muscles out with greater core stability uh, allows you to extend through the ball there's five more yards, ten more yards. There's more accuracy. Um, so, you know, these things make a really big difference, and they just make a, a big difference to the, the overall health in your body uh, for your life. So that's what I mean about making your golf club your health club and using golf as a way to improve your overall physical health. And, boy, does it pay great dividends in your golf game, your golf swing. Yeah, exactly. Well said, Jamie. Thank you. Um, Pete, you know, the other thing, too, I, I last week I had a, as my guests, um, uh, I think four, I think it was four of them, four or five gentlemen from the uh, sports science lab up in um, New York and uh, very into biomechanics and, and really into a lot of the different theories and, and um, testing and that of, of the flexibility of, of pro athletes and so forth. And, of course, we talked about golf. Um, and they talked about one of the things, too, is that, you know, with, with our population today, both young and old, um, you know, we're, uh, from a work standpoint, there's a lot of us that are maybe sitting behind a desk or, uh, you know, working at a computer a lot. So we get that sort of slumped over in the shoulders and, you know, our, our muscles get weak in certain areas or they get used to stretching in one way. So um, that's another thing as well is, is utilizing um, some sort of a good program or fitness program that helps uh, sort of attack if you will, certain muscle areas that become weak from uh, lack of use. So, um, Pete, I know that, uh, you know, you and I are not certainly fitness experts, but, I mean, I'm sure that's something that you deal with as well with some of your golfers um, where they're not, uh, uh, maybe they've worked at a desk a a lot of their life or they're in front of a computer, as I said, and um, they're lacking in certain things. Is there anything that you try to suggest to them to to help counteract that, um, that effort well, I've got two great resources. Uh, one is, you know, my medical advisor, who's a, you know, level three um, TPI medical advisor, a chiropractor. And so I'm able to run right. things by him when I come across students. And my own daughter has a degree in nutrition and fitness. And so I will run Perfect. things by her, too, when I have a particular uh, student. And I say, look, I need more range of motion in these particular areas. You know, give me some exercises that, you know, we can attack these and make it work. And so um, I'm doing it all the time because you know I've, you know me I've, i developed a swing that uh, i feel has you know, not only simple but it's also pain free we're going to move so that we don't create or cause any more pain but if there is some there then you know there's definitely ways we can attack it with exercise um you know it's been mentioned before yoga is such a great uh, thing for them to do too uh, for working right. on stability and and uh, you know getting some some more movement out of them but yeah, definitely I take advantage of it in every aspect that I can uh, with the students, and uh, I hit these resources all the time. And, you know, Dr. Maxwell is probably a little bit tired of me asking him, you know, what does this mean and what does that mean because I'll give him these terms that I don't know what they are. And he goes, oh, that's your shoulder. Oh, okay, I get it. Okay, so, um, but, 
you know, it's just a matter of, as you know, as you know, Jamie was saying, you know, there's so many things that can be done to, to make them, you know, so much more flexible, so much stronger, better balance, and it's just going to enhance their golf game. Yeah, and, and you know, exactly. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to share a personal story and why I'm just mm-hmm. so big on this. Uh, I started playing golf when I was seven years old, so my body wasn't terribly developed, uh, should we say. And I played a ton of golf at that time, um, you know, up until um, college. And then I started training in Aikido martial arts, which is a rolling and falling martial arts. So I got thrown around all the time, and I was like, throw me. You know, i got to be the best woman. So I took countless falls. Uh, I fell from – I got thrown <laughs> by Steven Seagal. It was like 6'6", six, six, you know, and I crashed into the ground. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, and I was a runner, so I was pounding all the time. I was a river raft guide. I'm climbing mountains. So, I mean, I'm very athletic, and I injured almost every part of my body, and in particular my back, my low back, uh, later on my hips, my ankles, my wrists, my neck. My, I separated both my shoulders along the way. So I mm. had been there, and when I was about 40, I literally, I mean, slowly, slowly, it's like got to stop running cutting down my martial arts. I was teaching, but I couldn't, like, I had to stop taking falls, but I couldn't hardly throw anybody. I couldn't have anybody hanging on my body, you know. I just couldn't handle anything. It was tough right. to travel. A backpack on my back hurt me going through the airport. It got to where I would visit my parents, and I couldn't play five holes of golf with my parents, who were 20, 30 years older than me, you know. Um, and right. uh, so... And I, I finally took some time off, went to San Diego, and I was introduced to an amazing woman. Her name's Joanne Kettler. She's not famous, but uh, she should be, in my opinion. She created something called Bliss Work, and Bliss stands for B is balance, L lengthen, I integrate, S stretch, S strengthen. Balance, lengthen, integrate, stretch, strengthen. Bliss Work, and Bliss, of course, means happiness. Uh, my experience on a biochemical level is that doing the exercises actually stimulate serotonin in the body and in the brain, and you actually feel a sense of bliss (laughs) by doing the exercises. Well, anyways, uh, in this sort of sabbatical period that I took off to get better, I went to bliss class a lot, and it was amazing to me how much I got better. And I looked at my x-rays. I still had, like, um, uh, um, degenerated discs beyond my years and et cetera. But um, functionally speaking, pain went away. All of a sudden, I was like, felt like I was floating when I walked, whereas before I was like compensating my back. Oh, now my leg hurts, now this, now that, my neck hurts. And um, I just started to have my muscles fall properly on my skeleton. I strengthened my core muscles. I improved my range of motion and flexibility. And lo and behold, pain just started disappearing. And for your Everyone listening, I want you to know that, you know, in my 50s, I've played 100-hole golf marathons, which, again, someone who couldn't play five holes of golf uh, 10 years before. I'm playing 100-hole golf marathons. The only woman in the field, everybody is straggling and struggling in, uh, all the men at 100, 120 holes at the end of 12 hours. I'm out there. My first attempt was 167 holes. I have now played 212 holes as my personal record. In 12 hours, that's uh, nine holes every half hour, 18 holes in an hour. Granted, riding a cart, but right up to the green. But, you know, you try doing that. <laughs> 12, uh, 200 yeah. holes of golf. From somebody who, in 12 hours wow. who couldn't play five holes due to pain. And I come in, I'm like fine and dandy. Everybody else has got their slippers on at dinner, you know. 
Um, and uh, so I have, and that's what I've developed. I call that's where uh, Make Your Golf Club Your Health Club comes from. I in fact took Joani to a driving range in San Diego at the time. This was, uh, gosh, almost you know, 15, 20 years ago now, and uh, she could just see. I she kind of has this X-ray vision. She understands movement. She understands motion, and she could see what muscles were weak, what wasn't online, what wasn't uh, thinking and coordinating, and she came up with exercises. I put in my golf knowledge and fashioned up Make Your Golf Club Your Health Club, 18 holes of golf list. Now, there are more than 18 exercises, in fact, and, but uh, I have DVDs of all this stuff. Uh, the point is I teach this to martial artists. I've taught it to dancers. I teach it to to executives, I teach it to golfers and all kinds of athletes, and I teach it to physical therapists. It's kind of a little bit yoga, a little bit Pilates-like, but it's its own thing. And um, and the exercises are completely doable. You can do them at home. You can do them anywhere. I teach them on cruise ships. There's a railing, a little space. We're all doing it. And, um, you know, fitness doesn't have to be something that's daunting, that's uh, you have to pay money and go to the gym, that's hard. Um, and a little bit, I always say a little bit of fitness, a little bit of uh, balance, strength, integration, a little bit of bliss goes a long way. And I can't even tell you the results I see in all the people that I, I get a chance to work with. It's, um, and, you know, I'm just grateful to be the messenger of uh, Joanne's work. It's really phenomenal. You know, and that that's a, a great point. Uh, thank you for sharing that. You know, um, guys, the thing is with with fitness and that, you know, obviously we, we want people to, to seek out professional help and not just to sort of think that they can go and start, you know, pumping iron at the gym and that, especially for golfers. I mean, there's a lot of exercises out there that are uh, counterintuitive for, for playing golf. Uh, you certainly don't want to be bulking up too much uh, as a golfer because that's going to impede uh, certain abilities as well. But another area too, guys, and, and we're going to close with, uh, with this, um, is uh, obviously the golf swing starts from the ground up. Uh, footwear is is something that is overlooked by a lot of golfers. You know, they get a comfortable pair of golf shoes, um, and uh, they don't want to let them go. I mean, they get scuffed up in that. Um, but something that's changing, uh, again, as we age, uh, we don't have the same stability. And certainly there are uh, some advances in technology, uh, as Cindy pointed out on Tuesday. Um, there are some great orthotics now made available. Uh, but even in the golf wear now, there's a lot of it is more... Uh, stylish and more about appearance um, and and fashion, if you will, than about really comfort. And for for some of our senior golfers, Pete, out there, um, having a good pair of comfortable shoes that are going to support, because as we get older, you know, our arches start to fall a little bit, we become a little bit unstable and unsteady. Um, That's an important piece of the equipment that needs to be updated uh, regularly as well as our bodies change. Um, talk a little bit about that as well. I mean, I, I'm, I know you probably have a, a comfortable pair of shoes, but is that something that you look at uh, as, as you, uh, you know, progress through your golfing career? Well, no question. I mean, they're, you know, you've probably seen it before on the range, and you're, you're looking at somebody in their golf shoes or curled on each end. You know, so you know if uh, part of the golf shoes off the ground, they're having a hard time staying on the ground. Um, so, you know, absolutely. I mean, you have to be comfortable in, in what you're wearing. I know for me, I'm very particular. Um, I teach in tennis shoes because they're just more comfortable. Um, you know, I still have golf shoes that I wear, but, um, I think it's very important that what they're wearing, it not only keeps the stability, but gives them comfort. And there are a lot of uh, companies out there that do that. I mean, uh, granted, there is a lot in the fashion and what they look like, you know, and the appearance and, and trying to sell those and those ads, but there are a lot of golf shoes now that are, 
moving to a running shoe insole, and that's making a huge yes. difference in how they feel. And so, no, it's, that's really, really important that they have good, solid, you know, golf shoes that are comfortable and do the job to help keep them stable um, and, and, you know, allow them to, you know, I, I think more than anything else, just enjoy it more and not worry about, you know, their feet hurting when they're trying to play. Uh, it's, it's a huge deal, and I yeah. look at it all the time. So. Yeah, and, and Jamie, it's not just, you know, obviously you want them to be comfortable and you want to feel relaxed in that, but there's also stability issues as well. I mean, there's, you know, if you look at, and, and I'm going to, you know, throw this out there. I, I mentioned this on Tuesday on the show, but, um, you know, I call it the duck walk. You see, particularly for men, uh, women I don't see this as much with, but for the men for some reason I think they're a little harder on their feet. And you'll see them, they're sort of walking from, you know, side to side more as they come towards you. There's a little side-to-side wobble, if you will, and a lot of that is because they don't have good stability. Um, and so this is why it's important, I think, to have good golf shoes uh, or, Pete, as you mentioned, even some good, comfortable uh, sneakers. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with playing some sneakers, uh, you know, if they're good and comfortable and offer that, that foot support. So um, what are your thoughts on that as well, Jamie? Well, it's interesting, the sort of duck walk that you see, that can certainly be, re- be related to, uh, it starts from the feet up, right? And um, orthotics can help. A lot of times you'll find that there's issues in the back and in the hips, and that's where, the, you know, and those are long-standing kinds of issues. But you can help yep. that with, with good footwear and, and body work and good exercise and fitness and that sort of thing. Um, it really is important. Um, I, I think that, you know, we used to have cleats and that was in order to keep ourselves more stable. We don't have cleats anymore. We have, um, you, you know, there's all kinds of um, cleat substitutes right now. Spikes. And uh, I think it's yeah. important to, to just keep your eye on uh, whether you've worn them down too much because when they actually do grab the ground a little bit, that's what they're designed to do, and that helps us in our golf swing. So, uh, you know, it's important to be sure that your shoes aren't worn down too much. I'm always interested when I see people wearing sandals to golf um, for me, yeah. they don't work. I don't know how for other people. The reason they don't work for me no. is that they keep your feet so straight that it makes it difficult to turn the, the hips and then ultimately the shoulders. Um, so, you know, um, I, I think that's something to look at. If Some people do feel that uh, sandals work for them. If they are, I think it's, it's actually really important to pay a lot of attention to your footwear and to your footwork. Um, and footwork is essential. It's essential in every sport. I'm, I'm a huge um, advocate of the lower body and, and that everything starts from the feet up. Um, we spend so mm-hmm. much time thinking about our shoulder turn and our straight left arm, but it's really paying attention to what's going on down there in your feet and even setting up so that your feet aren't too straight. When you open them up a little bit, what happens is that opens up the trochanter joint, and all of a sudden, just from that little adjustment, the hips are able to turn more easily. That takes stress off the spine. Right. So, you know, there are those kinds of things in the swing, and, you know, you want your shoes uh, to be able to support that, and you want to, for me, I suggest having an instructor who is paying attention to your footwork. As we age, you know, the, the modern golf swing is to keep the left foot down. It used to be that the left heel came up on the back swing. But, you know, as we age, there may need to be some adjustment. Okay to let that foot come up a little if the low back or the hips are tight. Right. You know, whatever really needs to happen, there, there doesn't have to be, a, say, a dogma about things. Um, you know, another thing is we see 
probably the biggest raging debate in golf today is uh, is around the young players and what's their longevity going to be because the, the quote-unquote modern golf swing and the way they go at it uh, is causing injuries even at a young age. Um, and right. we're starting to think, hmm, are golfers going to be having the kind of careers of a football player or a basketball or baseball player, like peaking in, in their 20s and 30s and can't even make it to their 40s? Are they going to be? Are we going to see uh, Jason and Rory and all these guys on the on the senior tour? You know, are they going to make it to the Champions Tour? Tiger isn't. You know. Right. Yeah. No. That's a that's an excellent point, and and I've thought that as well. I mean, you look at uh, you know players like Jordan and and uh, Rory and and many of the other young guns out there today, and look what's happened with Tiger. Now, obviously, there may be some other issues there as well, but. Um, you know, has had uh, a real issue with his back uh, and, of course, his knee as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, and he's struggling. He's struggling to get back. Um, you know, and that that wears mentally. And, and golf, of course, uh, you know, a big component of it is um, your mental awareness around the golf course. And if you can't focus on, you know, playing the game because you're too busy thinking about the twinge in your back or that, that twitchy knee or something like that, continually through your round it can be miserable. So uh, those are some great points. Um, well, guys, always, I'm going to give I you just a, a, a few. Sorry, bears. go ahead. I just want to yeah, say, I always take the three bears approach. Remember they tested the porridge and tested the chair and everything, you know, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Yeah. You want it to be just right. And there's, there's a way of overdoing it. And there's also a way of underdoing it. And we need to find where is that, that just right place, that just right zone where we're really supporting our fitness, supporting our health, supporting our optimal well-being and our optimal abilities and capabilities and we're not overdoing it and tearing ourselves down or underdoing it and not building ourselves up enough yeah uh, you're exactly right and and i you know i i get concerned too for some of these players um again you don't see it as much with the lady golfers and that they don't seem to have the same drive to uh you know for, for that speed but um, you know, I see some of these young players and, and just the, the incredible club head speed and, and so forth that they're generating compared to, you know, what it was before um, and, and the, the um, just sheer driving force in their golf swing. Um, you know, I mean, they're almost pulling themselves out of their shoes and in some cases. And to me, I just, I just think that there's going to be long-term effects. But, um, guys, great discussion tonight. Some, some interesting points. And I'm going to give, as always, I'm going to give each of you, Pete, I'm going to go uh, with you uh, just since uh, Jamie just finished up with the conversation. And uh, for those that want to reach out to you and and if there's anything special coming up that you want to promote, by all means, go ahead, uh, take a moment or two. Well, they can always reach me on my website at plainsimplegolf.com. That's P-L-A-N-E is the plane. Um, I've got a lot of interesting stuff out there that they can see and all my contact info is there. Uh, we're revamping for 2018, so you want to pay attention. The website's going to have uh, much more action to it and much more uh, involvement in sort of a membership uh, application and, and uh, all kinds of things that are coming to it. So be on the lookout for that. And, again, as, as I told you, I, I do a lot of work online, which helps me communicate with my students, you know, all the time, and, and it, it's a great yep. way to do it. So if you're anywhere, you know, around anywhere in the world, you know, don't hesitate to contact me because we can still go to work. It's a, it's a great way to do it. Well, as always, Pete, thank you for your time. Uh, I appreciate all that you've given. And, you know, just a, on a side note here, we may talk about this after, but uh, you would mentioned your daughter is uh, specialized in nutrition. Uh, we might have to get her on the show because we could use a good nutritionist on here to, to lay it out, uh, you know, 
and, and help some of the, the listeners out there uh, how to eat properly and get uh, their energy levels up and be able to increase their stamina while they're out playing that 18 hole. So we may we may en- en- enlist her uh, services one night on the Coach's Corner panel. But, Pete, as always, thank you very Absolutely. much. Uh, I appreciate you, Thanks, Ted. Yeah, you joining in. Uh, no problem. Uh, Jamie, uh, let the folks know how they can reach out to you and anything special you want to plug. Oh, sure. Thanks, Ted. Um, they can find me through my website, which is Golf, K-I-A-I, golf.com. And Kiai comes from Aikido. So Kiigolf.com. Phone number is always good. I'm, I'm quite responsive on the phone, 760-492-GOLF, 4653. So those are good ways to reach me. And, um, you know, I, I have a couple of classic DVDs. My Kiai Golf Instructional Series has become a classic, and I uh, created a, a core original core exercises list workout, so that DVD is available. A uh, balance board that I have been using and I got from Tennis Pros, and it's fantastic uh, teaching tool. And just like Pete, I find that doing online lessons allows me to be able to work with people around the world. There's Skype. You can see what's going on. You know, there's, there's different um, apps and things. So, uh, that's always great. And I've also been working as we had a whole show on with IMAP Golf, which is an online assessment mm-hmm. questionnaire that's uh, really helpful to find out more about you and your golf game. And I do a lot of uh, seminars, special trainings, and clinics that are uh, really some of my favorite things to do all over. I travel quite a bit. And that's uh, particularly in the areas of, uh, of fitness, of mental game, the sort of mind-body game and business in golf. Golf is still the business sport. So I work with a lot of business golfers and executives and tournaments and charity events and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, um, I, I love to mix it up with people and uh, invite anyone to get in touch with me or go on my website. So thanks. Not a problem. And, and obviously playing a lot of golf uh, in 12 hours, uh, you gotta you got to keep yourself in good shape to be able to do that. That's incredible, Jamie. Um, guys, as always, thank the you. Weirdest uh, thing, the weirdest thing thank you. was... The weirdest, th- the weirdest thing was I, 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 we were finishing at 6.30. At 6 o'clock, I'm like, just, I'm just hit my 200 holes. And I had this funny feeling like I wanted to cry. And I was like, what is that all about? And I got sad that I wasn't going to be playing any more golf in a half an hour. <laughs> you, I think you played more golf in that 12 hours than I have in the last two months, Jamie. Um, that's yeah, incredible. Me too, and, trust me. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, obviously that, that's not for everybody, but then that's a, that's a personal goal that you, you've said. And I think that's fantastic, but you, you, you definitely proved the point very well that, that it is, you know, you can, a lot of, as I said, a lot of the aging golfers out there that are maybe struggling just to even get in, um, nine holes. Um, there's ways that you can obviously increase that, that ability by, by, uh, you know, connecting with somebody that specializes in, in the proper fitness and training, um, that is going to help your golf game. So, uh, again, guys, thank you very much, as always, for uh, coming on the Coach's Corner panel tonight. Great discussion, as always, and I look forward to having both of you back here uh, again real soon. And uh, just have a great weekend, guys, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, always thank a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, thanks, guys. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was my very special guest on the Coach's Corner panel, uh, Jamie Leno-Zimron and Pete Buchanan. Uh, always uh, a couple of favorites on, on the uh, Coach's Corner uh, panel discussions and always some interesting angles and, and uh, conversation here. 
uh, on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, coming up here in just a few moments, uh, my very special guest of the evening is Wally Armstrong. He's a lifetime member of the PGA Tour, and I'll tell you a little bit about him uh, in just a second. But let me just remind everybody while i got a moment or two here before he comes on board. Um, just remind everybody, of course, we are live uh, on Thursday evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, again, easiest way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live if you want to type it all out in complete uh, or just type in golf talk live uh, up in the search key and that will take you uh, directly to the main page and you can listen to the show in its entirety from there um, and uh, for those of you that maybe uh, prefer a different platform maybe itunes.com or stitcher.com it's available there as well and just go to either of those platforms and again type in golf talk live and that will take you there uh, and you can listen to it when it's convenient for you. Uh, all of the shows, of course, are auto-recorded. So, again, if you can't listen live, uh, go to either of those links uh, that I've just mentioned, and you can go down to the on-demand section and listen to the shows, uh, either the current show, uh, which is obviously airing tonight live, um, or some of the previously aired shows you can listen to when it's convenient for you guys. But uh, uh, just glad you're joining us uh, either way, whether live or, or recorded, doesn't matter to me as long as you're tuning into Golf Talk Live. I always appreciate it and I appreciate some of the great uh, comments and feedback that I get from all of you out there. And uh, as always, I appreciate uh, uh, great folks like Jamie and Pete uh, and many of the others on the Coach's Corner panel for giving of their time. It's not always easy after you've had a long day or played 200 holes uh, of golf, uh, it's certainly not always easy to uh, to jump on air and uh, and give of your time that way. So I appreciate it very much. Uh, and also, don't forget to join uh, LPJ Professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller and I on Tuesday mornings on BlogTalkRadio.com uh, network. Uh, just type in in that case, just type in Women of Golf, and that show airs live Tuesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can always listen to some of the great uh, Symmetra Tour and LPJ players. Uh, that have joined us uh, over the last several years and, and, and new players that are going to be coming on the show here uh, in the weeks to come and some great teacher professionals and entrepreneurs as well uh, stop by that program. So Cindy and I always have a great uh, time uh, interviewing some of our guests and we've got a great show coming up next week, of course, uh, on Tuesday. So make sure you follow that. And that, was, uh, that particular broadcast is also available at iTunes and now Stitcher.com as well. So in that case, again, just type in Women of Golf on either of those platforms uh, and you can listen to it uh, there as well. Uh, when it's convenient for you. Uh, but as I mentioned, my, my uh, next guest coming up, my very special guest this evening, uh, I've actually known about this gentleman for a long, long time. He's been in the golf industry for many, many years. And uh, as I mentioned him on a, a telephone conversation when we first set this up, uh, I'd watched a video some years ago on the golf channel that he had done. Uh, it actually, it was a segment, and it just really impressed me, the, the whole approach. And he's just had a, a phenomenal career. Uh, and his name, of course, is Wally Armstrong. He is a lifetime member of the PGA Tour. Uh, competed in over uh, 300 PGA Tour events, including numerous U.S. and British Opens, uh, of course now called the Open, uh, Masters, PGA, and Tournament Players Championships. And in his first Masters tournament, uh, Wally finished fifth, setting a, a rookie scoring record of eight under par at Augusta. Uh, he's, as I mentioned, a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and holds a bachelor's and master's degree in education uh, from the University of Florida, where he also achieved All-American honors in golf. So uh, just a phenomenal guy. Uh, known and loved by many, many in the profession, and uh, it's a truly an honor to have him as my special guest tonight. So as I wait uh, for him, uh, again, don't forget to follow me on social media. You can uh, connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. My Twitter handle is Ted and Buck CEO. And for those of you that want to connect with me on uh, Facebook or LinkedIn, you can just type in my name, and it's Ted uh, Odorico, O-D-O-R-I-C-O is how you spell my last name. So just plug that in on any of the social media uh, outlets. And uh, I'm also on Instagram as well. 
uh, so many recent followers of my Instagram page. Again, just type in my name, uh, Ted J. Odorico, and uh, you can follow me on that as well. Um, very excited, as I said, to have uh, my very special guest, Wally Armstrong, on tonight. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, some things. He's also been invented a lot of great things we'll talk about tonight uh, that have helped many, many golfers out there and actually helped the industry uh, as well. He's just a phenomenal uh, gentleman and a great asset to the sport. And uh, obviously, he's had a phenomenal career. We're going to talk about a little bit about that, some of the things that he's done uh, in the past and some of the new things that he's looking forward to do uh, as this uh, great game evolves uh, here in the next uh few generations so we'll see what's going to happen there we'll get wally's uh input on that uh, as we progress in the conversation but uh again got great shows coming up here in the next several weeks got uh, a full schedule here in uh, august and uh, working on september of course right now uh, booking things up uh, throughout the year and just really looking forward to some of the future guests that are going to be coming on as well uh some you maybe uh, listened to on previous shows and some new guests that are going to be coming on. I think it'll be uh, for some interesting uh, discussions here on Golf Talk Live. So, as I said, just waiting for Wally to come on board. And uh, for those of you also, too, just as I wait for him to come here, um, you know, on our discussion tonight, he's talking about, I know there's a lot of uh, golfers out there that uh, would fall into sort of the senior category. Um, make sure that you're, you're, you know, doing some of the things that we talked about tonight when it comes to fitness and nutrition uh, make sure of course you seek out a a proper fitness uh, 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 instructor uh, and more importantly somebody that's maybe uh, certified in golf fitness instruction because uh, there is a certain difference um, you know it, it's fine and dandy to, to go and, and if you belong to a local health club to get out there and maybe do a workout or two but uh, one of the biggest mistakes that I see with a lot of golfers really of all ages they get too intense uh, with a lot of the weight training in that and the problem with that is uh, that makes you susceptible to injury and sometimes the injuries don't always show up right away and you get out there and you start swinging a golf club and suddenly those injuries that you actually incurred at the health club uh, you've now taken out and and affected something in your golf swing so um, I see Wally's available so I've already done the intro here so let me bring uh, my very special guest this evening uh, Mr. Wally Armstrong. Good evening Wally and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Hello Ted. Thank you? you, sir, for joining me tonight. I, I, I'm doing very well. I'm very honored to have you on board here. And uh, thank you. I will. Uh, yeah, thank you for. I know it's not always easy, as I said earlier on the show, for uh, everybody giving their time. We all work very hard during the day, and sometimes we just want to relax. So I appreciate it. Um, you giving of your time. And um, Wally, one of the things I want to uh, talk about here is obviously you've had a, a very extensive playing career. Uh, as well as a teaching career. So let's talk a little bit about some of the playing that you've done in the PGA. I mentioned you played in, in uh, of course, all of the majors. Um, what are some of the, the fondest memories that you had, obviously, from a player standpoint, um, about your own playing ability, but also just some of the, the things that you saw uh, over the years when you played on tour? Oh, wow, there's so many. Um, <clears throat> I can uh, uh, just think about playing in the majors. I think those were very exciting. I played my first major actually when I was in college. Uh, my senior year, I we had the NCAA at Stanford, and the next week we had the uh, U.S. Open at Olympic Club. So I was just, uh, I turned 21 uh, the uh, Friday of the tournament, and uh, that was one. Of, that was my first one I played, and then I played a number of, I don't know, 10 or 12 Opens and uh, PGAs, but uh, I think probably my greatest thrill was walking off the green on uh, in my first Masters, the 18th hole, going off the green and 
um, shooting uh, eight under for the tournament, finishing fifth, uh, three strokes behind Gary Player um, would probably be the highlight of my my career. Um, and um, I led about I led close to thirty tournaments, either after the first round, second round, third round, never won. <laughs> I wish I'd have won, I'd have led after the fourth round, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I really enjoyed. It was a dream come true for me um, growing up in a little nine-hole um, Elks Club in the middle of cornfields in Indiana. You know, starting out looking for balls and caddying, and uh, to being, uh, you know, to playing 300 tournaments around the world, and that was a, it. Was a great dream come true for me. You know, I think it's amazing, really, just hearing that, uh, Wally. It's just amazing how many players um, of, of that era started out very similar to you. Played, you know, at a local muni or, or just, uh, mm-hmm. as you said, out in the cornfields, basically. Just, uh, I mean, I remember uh, I started playing golf when I was about seven. I'm 53 now. And, uh, you know, it wasn't always easy at that time um, or certainly even affordable to, to always get out and play on the golf courses. Uh, as much as we'd like so we used to uh, of course we had a public school that was just down the street and we had a, mm-hmm. a bunch of soccer fields uh, two or three of them so we used to use <laughs> the goalposts as our flag and you know would, would sure. hit back and forth with uh, mo- mostly irons but that's how we you know kind of uh, learn the game a little bit let me ask oh, yeah. you um, just you know talking about uh, the tour a little bit um, and obviously there was a, a plethora of, of phenomenal players uh, as you mentioned Gary Player one of them that uh, you played uh you know, in the same tournaments and things with who are some of the people that really impressed you, not just uh, because of who they were or anything like that, but just the way they handle themselves on the golf course, just from some of the tournaments that you remember playing, who did you admire and who did you really um, say, wow, that, that person really handles themselves well at the golf course uh, and not just as, uh, as a professional, but just as somebody that really had a sort of a handle on their game, who really sort of mastered their game well, in your opinion. Be. Probably Jack Nicholas, who I played with. Uh, I played uh, a couple of times in the last group. He won, which was interesting to you know to actually see him uh, work his way around the course. The first one was at Pinehurst Number Two uh, when he won the, the World Open, uh, playing the last day and seeing him hit a three wood off of every tee uh, just to keep it in play. And uh, yeah. he just watched the leaderboard all the way around, hit the middle of every green, and um, part every hole, got to the 16th hole to par five and hit a driver, hit it about 300 yards and knocked it down a green, two putted for a birdie, and part the last two and one. <laughs> so it was amazing wow. to see him play to his strengths. And uh, definitely there's the saying, you know, don't play the shot that you think you should play, play the shot that you know you can play. And um, and that's why it's important uh, for these young kids to um, develop their their bread and butter shot, what I call it. You know, get a shot that you know you can pull off under pressure, and then uh, and use it. You know, don't try to come up with all these creative, crazy shots. You know, and uh, but playing with Jack, yeah. If you great. look at uh, Tom, Tom Watson was another Sorry, you know, great great uh, gentleman to play with. Uh, I mean, one of the, the greatest uh, players up and down in management. Uh, and, uh, of course, Trevino uh, played to his style. I, I really enjoyed playing with Lee because I played my best when I was around people that were talking and having fun. Kind of it got me out of my uh, style, which 
which I played better when I was kind of talking to the other players. And uh, Lee was great to play with. Um, Chi-Chi was another guy that was really fun to play with. Um, and uh, those are the kind of guys I like to play with rather than the, the, the real competitive guys that wouldn't, that, you know, that were about as friendly as a wounded rattlesnake playing with them. Um, <laughs> so I won't say Yeah, I, I think, that, yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think, you know, during that time frame, there was a lot of players that, um, you know, it was different back then, too. I mean, the, the person oh, yeah. that they were playing for were, were much smaller. So, um, you know, that was, you know, they, they had to, to finish in the, in the top 10 for sure, if not win the tournament, uh, just to make yeah. enough money to, to play next week. So, yeah, I can you know, there was a lot, there was a the, lot of... I can remember playing ahead, the Canadian Mark. Open. I, we were in the... Uh, I was playing with Gary Player and Johnny Miller. And we were we were all out of out of the tournament, you know. So Gary on the back next says, "Let's play for a Coca Hole," you know. So we, <laughs> I remember we just had a fun time. We, we got very competitive with Gary, as you can imagine. But, uh, but I can well, and, that. The, yeah. and the traveling was different. Yeah, the traveling was different too. I mean, you know, they didn't. Uh, not everybody could afford to to hop on a private jet or or even a commercial jet. Fly. They drove to a lot of their, you we know. So fly, um, we didn't fly, but maybe two tournaments a year we drove. We had a big Dodge Maxi van, uh, and we traveled with all the, the other players, uh, Larry Nelson and Rick Massengill, um, uh, a lot of Don Cooley, Morris Apolsky, a lot of those guys that were the journeymen like me. And we uh, right. stayed in the same hotels, the Hojos or the Holiday Inns, and the kids all grew up together, had birthday parties. and uh, So it was really kind of a, of a gypsy life, you know, uh, wagon train. <laughs> so... Uh, I remember one time the first uh, going down to Houston. This is an interesting story. I, we we got rained out in Dallas, and my wife and I drove down to Houston. Got down there late at night, uh, Monday night, to play practice on Tuesday, and we didn't realize they had three national conventions going on, and we couldn't get a room. Mm. So we pulled out and slept in our car by the uh, hunting green. And of course, about four in the morning, the police came out and shined the lights in, and our little, little <laughs> schnauzer that went crazy and. And uh, they let us they let us uh, sleep there. Well, I ended up le- leading the tournament for two rounds, and uh, we had we must have had a, a twenty five or thirty people offer us to ha- stay with them the next year. But then they moved the tournament up to Woodlands. <laughs> so, uh, but that was interesting. I, I remember we got a lot of headlines around the, the country. A uh, player leads uh, a leader, you know, leads tournament uh, slept in car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure there was. I'm, I'm sure that's just the, uh, just one of many interesting stories, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure uh, uh, that uh, was not a, a, as as pleasant of a time for your wife having to sleep in the car. I'm sure she would have preferred no. a much more comfortable it's, setting. But, but you know what? That that was fun too. I'm sure in many ways. Yeah, you just roll with it. You know, it was just really fun back then. It wasn't. I mean, it was competitive, but there wasn't any money. Yeah. I mean, you, you could you could. As a rabbit, you know, you could you could play a practice round on Sunday, qualify on Monday, play a practice round on Tuesday, get up in the morning and play before the pro am on Wednesday, play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and not make a check. Um, yeah. And uh, that I never got skunked, but I remember playing at Green Island once and I, and really grinding it out and got you know I think I made like forty two dollars or something, but. <laughs> Yeah. Right there. 
yeah, that's uh, that's that's tough to to scrape together. Um, you know, um, to just to get your travel expenses and things like that. You know, Wally. You, uh, you know, as I said to you on the phone when we we set this up a little while back. You know, one mm-hmm. of the things that really Im- impressed me, and I, and, I, and this was sort of what jogged my memory and why I wanted to have you on the show, not just because of this, but um, obviously you've done some phenomenal things for the game, not only as a player, um, but even more so as as a, a teacher and, and coach. Um, but you know, I, I was recalling a a, um, a segment that you had done years ago on the uh, on the Golf Channel when it was really first getting its legs, mm-hmm. and uh, if you recall from the conversation. You had played, I think it was three holes, if, I, if memory serves me correct. And I guess that the, the premise, and maybe you can set it up a little bit better than I can, but um, talk a little bit about it. But you were basically showing that you could go around a, you know, a golf course with essentially a seven iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter, and still score uh, a decent score. And you know what I extrapolated from that was, you know, everybody was so, uh, you know, focused with hitting this long ball, but really you were able to show. Um, with just you know three clubs that you could go out there, you didn't have to have necessarily the best equipment. Uh, you just had to know what you were doing. Talk a little bit about, if you don't mind. I mean, I know it was a long time ago, but maybe talk a little bit about that, if if you can recall it uh, as as I have. Um, really, what the thought behind that segment was? Well, it's just a great way to play different shots. You know, if you're if you're hitting a five iron and, you, and you're teeing off with it, and then you play it back and you trap it. And you, you play the run shot, you know, if you've got the five iron, you have to cut it over a bunker, you know, and play a little flop shot, you know. So it really, uh, it really gives you a feel for the game. And I think, you know, one of the great things of, of playing with Gary Player tons and tons of practice rounds is we would we would uh, throw the balls off the green, you know, out into the trees and into the rough. And, and then wherever they were, we'd go play them and we'd, we'd compete, you know, of all these crazy lies, you know, and, and – Gary, you know, uh, always used to say, don't come to a shot on the golf course that you haven't practiced before, you know. And um, so I, I remember going to Muirfield the first year, and I knew they had water on maybe 13 of the holes, and the greens were mowed right down to the lake. And I realized that I'm probably going to have the ball, you know, in the water, and I just I need to know how far down I can go after a ball in the water and what club to use and how to play the shot. So I went down to a lake with my bathing suit on and <laughs> prior to that tournament and just started, you know, putting balls down in the water and trying wedges and pitching wedges and how to come in and where to go. And, you know, it was really interesting. And, and I got into that tournament and I had three water explosion shots in that tournament and I got all three on the green and two of them up and down. So, um, and I still remember how to play play the ball and uh, uh, you know out of the water. But uh, that's what I try to tell a lot of these these uh, kids when I do my uh, uh, playing psychology workshops for for high school and college kids. You know, I say, look, just just get out there and know what you can do, what you can't do, and practice all those shots because you may come to one and uh, you don't want to have to start guessing, especially if you're you know, you're putting your life on a line, you know, on the tour. One shot can mean a difference in, uh, you know, now, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, easy. Yeah. That, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably even an understatement now. I mean, it could be even as much as $150,000 depending on where, where they're positioned, <laughs> but amazing. you're exactly right. Um, which, you know, is a lot of money to anybody, but even to those guys, it's still a lot of money. 
Um, you know, Wally, one of the things that, that you know, we see as, as instructors, I, I teach as well, and, and one of the things that I see uh, and, and why it goes to what you just talked about, why it's so important to really practice these things, we see a lot of these guys, I know you see it all the time, uh, where we call them sort of the, the range rabbits. They're just out in the range all the time hitting balls. You know, they're, they're raking the ball and hitting another one, and they're not really putting any thought to it. And, of course, they've got a perfect lie every time. So they're not really practicing realistic um, you know, situations, on-course situations. What do you try to do to alleviate that? Do you try to, when you're working with somebody um, uh, or a class or whatever the case, do you try to mix it up a little bit and give them more on-course realistic situations when you're going through a practice session? Oh, yeah. You know, I use a lot of a lot of the, you know, the marking stakes where I'll set up goalposts with uh, PVC pipe. Um, you know, you want to be creative. You want people to be able to play by feel. And, of course, that's my whole philosophy is, is the game has to be played by feel. It can be played by mechanics. And that's why I've created um, and patented a number of training tools that are designed when applied correctly and used to build the correct feelings so that you can, when you go out and play, then those feelings will be reproduced. You, know, you have to play by remembered feelings, not by mechanical uh, manipulations or, um, you know, telling your body left arm straight or right elbow, you know, and that's what, of course, amateurs get trapped into the, uh, the I call it the thrill of complication. <laughs> they think the more I know, the better I'm going to be, the more of these parts of, uh, you know, my body I can control. Uh, and, you know, when you when you think of it, Ted, I could tell people, you know, the swing takes about a second and a half. And if you shoot 90, you're only going to really actually be playing golf for about a little, about two minutes. And uh, yeah. you've got to be able to play by feel, and your mind can't process more than maybe one swing feeling backwards and one through, you know. And that's uh, – but people get so wrapped up in this thrill of, uh, of, of complication and mechanics. And I've seen some of my pro-am partners that have a list of swing tips, you know, in their pockets that they're reviewing as they're playing. And yeah. uh, of course that's a kiss of death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, and that's so true. You know, uh, and you can almost see it. I, I remember playing years ago with a young kid. Uh, he joined in, in a group I was with. There was uh, three of us, and he wanted to play. And he was probably about 12. And, you know, you could see him mumbling to himself as he was getting up on the yeah. tee box. And, of course, you know, he Freddie Couples was one of his um, favorites to watch. So he, right. uh, there was a time there when, you know, Freddie would, would tug on that, you know, the sleeve. He'd get the sleeve, you know, in the right <laughs> position. Well, this young boy would, would mimic. You know what I'm talking about. So, of course, this yeah. young chap would, would mimic, uh, you know, the Freddie Couple move there. And he would do this about a half a dozen times. And I finally had to put him on the clock. I said, look, you're taking too much time. And, I mean, of course, we were just having a fun round. But, but you know, he would have so many thoughts going in his head. And then he wondered why his ball was, was going all over the place. Um, so let me ask you something. And, and I wanted to, the reason why I brought that up is I want to lead you into an area here that I think uh, really needs to be discussed. And, and I think you're a perfect person to do it. In today's game, uh, there is this sort of pursuit for perfection uh, in, in the golf swing and everything, the mechanically, mm-hmm. everything being sound. You played with a lot of guys that, let's be quite frank, had some funky-looking swings. Lee Trevino was one <laughs> that I can think of. Uh, many others I'm sure that you can think of as well, Miller but he's probably Barber. the most uh, – <laughs> yeah, Miller Barber. Uh, uh, even in more modern times, uh, Jim Furyk, you know, with a little bit of a loop at the top. 
Um, do you think that that's – I mean, obviously it's worked for many players, but is it really um, making it hard for amateurs to follow when, when everything has to be so perfect? Do you think that sort of teaching method uh, – and I'm not trying to knock anybody out there, but mm-hmm. that it's made it so difficult that a lot of people have become frustrated, and, and that's part of the reason why some have dropped out of the game. In your in your opinion, what do you think? Well, certainly, yeah, certainly you get so you can get so wrapped up in the mechanics and trying to make it right that you lose the feel for this the game, you know. And it's it's gone the other way too. You have a guy like Seve Ballesteros, who you know was the greatest field player that ever you know I say ever lived. You know, I mean he just he just see the home pick yeah. the club up and and hit it. But but then Seve got into trying to work on his swing, you know, and 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 lost it. There's been I don't know. Hundreds of players that uh, have fallen into that trap, you know, um, and it really yeah, depends Nick, a Nick lot Faldo on comes the, to uh, mind. the personality of the and uh, in, in the way that you process information. You know, you have to you have to, and that's but, and I'm not a teacher of really good players. I've never really kind of worked with great tournament players, and I'm more of a of a, a common folk teacher. You know, uh, John Jacobs right. called me the. Uh, the the um, the Lord of the Hacks, um, <laughs> um, Gary McCord, call, Gary Gary McCord, I mean uh, Gary Wiring um, called me the Sanford and Son of Golf Instruction. I'm a, I'm a junkyard teacher. I like to just <laughs> get all kinds of crazy pops and teach people to feel, but you have to apply it uh, to that person's uh, to the way that they process information, the way they process the golf swing, and that's the great thing of, of teaching the game i know you 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 found that in your own teaching is you have to you have right. to get to know the student and what is their golf language you know i always think about anybody that comes to me for a lesson is i've got to find out what their language is so i can speak back to them in the way that they process the golf swing so there is a real yeah. danger in a system that you're so wired to in terms of your own you know terminology and technology i think that's what kills a lot of people if they go to some of these studios where they have a set way of addressing every issue and you get a right yes. brain person in there and you're teaching them, you know, a mechanical and, and, and you've lost him, you know, he'll never improve. And so that's a great teacher um, has got to work with the student on, in, in terms of their own learning processes. And, uh, and, and uh, yeah, that's what you're exactly right. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, I mean, there's a lot of players that, lot that of visually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you have to, and that's part of the assessment process. When you first are working with a new student, particularly, uh, you need to ask a lot of questions. You need to, to sort right. of find out what their language is, and and because uh, some players, obviously, um, you can coach uh, with a more verbal tone. There's some players that, sure. that need to visually see, you know, see what it is that you're talking about. I want to read out a few things, um, well, these are some things that you had sent me, but I want the folks to just get an idea of just some of the things that you've done in your career. Um, here's just some of the, uh, for the folks listening, here's some of the innovations, if you will, uh, that Wally has, has put out there. He's developed the first junior golf instructional tapes, uh, created Titleist's first set of junior golf clubs, uh, produced a top-selling, uh, sorry, produced the top-selling uh, beginning women's video of all time, uh, developed and starred in Maximizing Your Game with Pat Summerall and, and Kenny Rogers, uh, which was one of the, the uh, popular and groundbreaking golf videos in history. Uh, you also, which a lot of people probably didn't know this, you invented Snag, 
uh, revolutionary national golf school golf program, which is uh, really helping to change how golf is taught uh, around the world. Uh, and you produced the Swing the Circle, a video summarizing uh, your uh, circle teaching method, which is uh, really mm-hmm. uh, at the heart of uh, all of your golf instruction and uh, for yeah. over 50 years. Um, maybe just touch on a little of, of, of those, um, a, a little bit just for the folks that maybe aren't familiar with those, um, just a little bit maybe about each. And particularly, I want you to talk about uh, snag golf. Just explain to folks what that is that maybe not be familiar. Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, coming out of <laughs> I know it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it all started with me back when I was in graduate school at the University of Florida. I, my 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 uh, administrator that was Conrad Mailing, who was really the the most innovative guy in terms. Of, he started all these drills and practice stuff, you know, back in the '40s. But he really gave me this creative mind of you know how people learn and how you teach, you know, people. And so uh, my first video I did with my son. Uh, we started doing clinics for kids and dads and he's a lefty and I'm a righty and we teed up balls together and we hit balls together and then we started using footballs and baseballs and baseball bats and, you know, ways of teaching the game how, you know, golf is similar to football and baseball and the moves and then we did our first video uh, um, 31 years ago. Um, now he is works for the Golf Channel. <laughs> You'll see his name on the Wow. Uh, on the telecast, he's uh, he's uh, he does all the graphics and uh, and and the scoring, um, and that's been a real thrill to see him, you know, get in, into the business in that in that way. Then um, and then I did a whole series of things for coaches and teachers, and um, did the like you said the the television series with Kenny Rogers and Pat Summerall sold about a hundred and thirty five thousand sets of videos, and then I took five of my creative training tools and they went out to, I actually went out to Hollywood to a prop place where they make a lot of the props for movie sets. And they, right. uh, they made these homemade props into um, manufactured ones that you could use like a hanger and a ball and a string and a, and a sponge. And, a, and uh, that, uh, that kind of got me into the training aid market. Um, then uh, my my next son, when he became 10, he came up with the idea of having a, a, a club for kids, and he came up with the idea called T-Rex, and so we sold the idea to Titleist, and they created a whole line of clubs. Uh, but we did a video together that went in the box with the clubs, because I've always felt like, you know, don't give kids just a set of clubs and equip the parents you know, uh, yeah. on how to use them to teach the kids so that the video came with the box. Um, then uh, as as T- Tiger came into the the, the front, uh, we knew that we had to get, I, I felt like, I always use tennis balls to hit with clubs to teach kids, beginners, and bigger holes. Right. Uh, hula hoops to hit to. So we, um, I started thinking of a game that, how could we create a mobile golf game that could teach the fundamentals of golf and that we could take to right where the kids are in the inner cities or out in the fields. And so we, um, I had a, another mature player that I linked up with, Terry Anton, and and together we created this game called Snag, starting new with golf, which has, you know, a plastic putter and a plastic club, and um, and that has become my first tease mainstay. It's all over the world now. Five, yes, five point five million kids have got into golf using that. A simple, uh, simple game, 
So I really feel like that's one of the uh, the keys is you've got to get kids out when they're young and give them a, and give them success. Um, golf's too hard for little kids with a little ball on the ground with a with a steel club and usually too heavy. Um, so that's the whole premise there is, is 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 give them a big ball, give them a big hole, a ball teed up, and uh, and then uh, they'll have a lot more fun. They'll get hooked into the game a lot quicker and and keep it rather than uh, the frustration of real golf as kids. So uh, yeah, and there's a that's the, yeah, and there's a ton the of go. Yeah, of, of mm-hmm. yeah, there's a ton of teacher professionals uh, all over the place, as you said, around the world, uh, yes. that are using the, the snag, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. game j- just to teach. I know mm-hmm. many of them that have actually been on the show here uh, over the last several years uh, all oh, really? talk about that, and, and it's a phenomenal. Oh yeah, uh, there's a, um, a Nicole Weller who's out in South Carolina. Yes. Um, yeah. She uh, is a big proponent. Talks about it all the time. Uh, yeah. how she used it in incorporates in her program and that and she's a, just a, a great uh, young lady a great uh, LPGA professional um, so I mean that, that's a, a, a big plus for you to, to come up with something like that you know it, it makes me wonder too Wally a little bit is why we don't see and I understand part of it um, but you know every other sport is in the school system at, at a junior level I mean we've got football we've got baseball um, why do you think golf has never uh, I mean, we certainly have it at the collegiate and even at the high school level, but we don't see it very much. It's starting to creep in now, but it's not in the school level uh, and the elementary and, and even uh, junior high uh, as much as it could. Why do you think that is, and what could we no, do as an industry? Well, uh, I'd like to see more uh, more of it. Uh, it does take a lot more time, and it takes a lot more travel you know, space to get the courses and set up. There are more junior highs, I think, that are having golf teams. Uh, but uh, the uh, I, I just I certainly hope that I think this uh, this PGA Junior Leagues is really catching on. It's it's exploding, you know. Right. Uh, getting kids out into the game. Uh, but you know, Ted, what I've really worked on, I think I sent you a little information about it. But I've created a whole new game that even comes in before even a club uh, called Air Golf, and uh, Nicole right. was using. The- State Tempestor, and a lot of the top uh, uh, teachers are realizing that if they can start kids out, uh, and, and what this basically is, is a, it's a tennis ball on some colored ribbons, and you swing it like a golf club, but you throw it. You swing it back and forth, and uh, and basically what oh, you wow. do is you set a bucket. You set a bucket out in the field, and that's the hole, and you get <clears> the kids to, uh, you start them out just throwing it with one arm, just throwing it back and throwing it, and then wherever it is, they throw it again, and you say, now this is golf. See, you, you, throw it, you go from one ball, one place to the next, and then you throw it in the bucket, and the lowest score wins. And then you put a rope around it, and you say, this is the green, and this is the hole, and then you put two little pegs, this is the team, you know, see, and this is the fairway. So they're really playing the game in the air, throwing this ball, then you have them put two hands together and swing it back and forth. And they throw it, see, and basically you have all these fun games, but they they always play two holes or three holes or whatever. And then as they're swinging the ball in front of them and throwing it, they're learning distance awareness. They're learning the little short ones, that's a putt, a little farther back swing, that's a chip. So the whole idea behind this is to get kids out playing the game first like they do, like you said, with other sports. You know, there's no right. other sport in the world that you have. You start with the fundamentals of 
put, you know, putting or chipping or pitching. You don't get to play. Kids don't get to play. There's no system in any of the schools where the kids play first, like other sports. You know, then they learn the fundamentals. Yeah. So what what air golf does is it comes in before snag. I wish I had known this, you know, 15 years ago. But if we can get the kids <laughs> to learn the swing first and to get excited about playing the game and learn the terminology, then when you give them a club, they already have the swing, see? And you're just adding, basically yep. you're adding a club to the swing rather than to create, trying to create a swing with a club because there's like nine different things that happen when you give a kid a club and he sees a ball on the ground. He's going to go up and down and chop. He's going to go backwards and forwards. He's going to sway his body. He's going to try to hold the face straight. He's going to try to scoop it in the air, you know? Yeah. He has no concept yeah. of, of swinging around his body to make something go straight. And because golf's so foreign, you've got two hands in front of you, you're swinging at a hole that you're not looking at. And, right. Uh, but air golf solves, solves all of their problems from the start, see? And so we're, yeah. uh, you know, we're gradually working with this game. And it's it, it's funny that you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that um, and that you mentioned Kate Tempesta. Kate Tempesta has been a, a, a guest every year, actually, on my show. I always have her back, and, and she's been a great guest. And I know she does some phenomenal work uh, up in yeah. uh, New York, uh, as as does Nicole yeah. out in her uh, region. Um, yeah, just with so many things. And, 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 and again, yeah. takes a very unorthodox, what would be to most, a very unorthodox approach. Again, mm-hmm. a lot of these kids don't have a club in their hand. Uh, obviously she's using this air golf and, and other things as well, but just teaching them the fundamentals uh, really of golf without even having a club in their hand. And, and, and what a great way to introduce these kids to a game. Okay. And, and really yeah. as, as both of these ladies have, have pointed out is, yeah. you know, when you get them young like that and get them, put that sort yeah. of plant that seed as yeah. they start to develop, they will naturally gravitate uh to what we understand as traditional golf, but if they're not introduced to it in some way or fashion, I think that's fantastic. Uh, um, what you were just talking about air golf. I think that's a great way to introduce kids. And that's something that could be very inexpensive, uh, for school systems to even pick up. Oh yeah. And they can play and it's safe and they can do it in a gym or they can do it out in the field. And, you know, I've had a chance to go down to the uh, inner city of Chicago. I've been up there twice in, in the kill zone. And, and, and there are some unbelievable people that are down there that are trying to help these kids and rescue them, you know, and get them in. And they can do this air golf, see, and they can compete and they can have yeah. fun and safe. And and I really learned down there, you know, half of those kids, they hate basketball because, because half the kids are really not these athletic jumping kids that can, you know, score anywhere, anytime. And so the, the kids just sit around. They have nothing to do, but they can do this air golf, and then they can work into snag. And um, so uh, sure. that's why I'm hoping to integrate these two together now in a, in a two-step program, uh, and we're developing a curriculum for it right now. Um, and uh, the, then the other thing I've been really working on, Ted, is, see, I've always felt like the hidden giant for, for golf is the churches. You know, there's 350,000 churches. Right. And there, yep. you know, every church, I see every church is a golf course. Because I could put a little, you know, I could put an air golf course yep. there and a and a, a a snag or short golf course there. But there's thousands and thousands of kids in there. There are parents, there are people that love kids. There, they have facilities, 
if we can get little golf teams going there, um, we could build the, the base of golf tremendously over the next uh, 10, 15 years. And then you get these kids into the local program. So, uh, so I'm working on a little search uh, package now where they would develop a team of 12, you know, 12 kids on a team. Um, sure. And you have a lot of kids that can't, uh, can't do these teams. You know, it's, it's amazing how many kids uh, are you know, autistic. And so we've given a bunch of right. air golf equipment to the Ernie Els Foundation. They're working with it. Um, you have these kids that are that have uh, mental or physical uh, challenges, but they can do air golf. They can do uh, uh, snag or short golf. And so those are the kids we want to get involved so that they can, you know, I always feel like you, the game of golf has to be caught, not taught. And Mike Hebron is such a good friend of mine. And uh, Mike uses the term play to learn. See, as you're playing, Right. You're learning. As you're playing, you're learning. And so that's the whole concept of, of this short golf, uh, connecting it into snag or short golf. Is, you know, we get them playing first. As they're playing, they're excited about the game. And they're learning yep. the fundamentals. They're catching them rather than, they're, uh, you know, being taught them, you know, by the programs or are all caught up in the mechanics rather than the field. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that exact uh, 100%. I mm-hmm. think one of the, the issues that I've seen over the years, uh, and, yes. and certainly you know, there, there's room for everything, but uh, a lot of the junior programs of the past were, were really funnels into uh, not just necessarily the big tours, but into uh, yes. other junior golf programs. And not everybody has that skill level. Not everybody has no. the ability to make the, their mm-hmm. collegiate team or, or make it on the PGA or LPGA tour. And there, there needs to be a system um, available that anybody, doesn't matter yeah. where you are or what challenges you may be faced with, should be exposed to this game. And, and something, and I don't yeah. know whether this would be, I'm just sort of throwing yeah. this out there. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, you know how, how familiar you are with, with uh, the hockey yeah. process, but um, yeah. we have a thing. I'm, I'm originally from Canada, so we played quite oh, yeah. a bit of hockey up there. Um, we had what we called a house league. And that was really anybody. I mean, you know, you didn't have to be a phenomenal player, but it was just, it was uh, a less expensive way mm-hmm. to get exposed to the sport. And, yeah. you know, again, some of the programs you're talking about would be a great way. Something that I'd like to see come back. <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. And that's right. As an ex- yeah, some things I'd like to see mm-hmm. uh, come back is some of the executive style courses, uh, not just the par threes, yeah. but the executive, the old executive style courses, um, they don't seem to be as many around anymore. They've a lot of them maybe have closed up. People don't have time to play four and a half hours uh, as much as they used to. So that's another deterrent from getting people to get into the game as well. Yeah, is, is no, the there's time a great issue. course here in our, in Orlando um, that I was a part of the founding board. It's a hundred year old course in Winter Park. It's a uh, hundred years old, nine hole little co- club, and uh, the Golf Channel got behind it. And some business leaders they raised a million to and built this into a fabulous little nine hole course. And I mean, that's where I play. I mean, I belong to a big country club. <laughs> but I, I just right. love going over there and, uh, and get my little Sunday bag and I play with my grandkids and uh, we just, you sure. know, it's 15 bucks for nine holes and you throw it on your back and you go play and you play it in uh, an hour and 45 minutes. And it's, so it's, uh, like you said, that's a perfect, uh, a little place for the kids and the dads and the grandfathers to, to get out and, and get the kids uh, going, and we need more of those uh, 
those facilities, yeah. like you said, yeah. to get the kids started. But well, my, so, my whole thing exactly. said, is that we've got to get the parents and the grandparents getting the, teaching the kids. See, and that's why air golf and, uh, and, and we call it, you know, short golf is coming over from England this fall. It, the first tee already has it. It's the same as type of, type of the snag uh, uh, product. Right. Um, but we're going to have a, uh, a, you know, a, a retail package so that uh, even if they go on my website now, wallymadegolf.com, we have a little beginning package for parents and grandparents where they get an air golf flyer and they get the, uh, the basics to, uh, to go out and get the kids started without having to buy a whole full set of clubs. Um, right. And we call it taking their temperature. You know, you want to be – you don't want to push kids in the game, but if you can get them no. playing a little air golf and they, they can throw it, you can get a ball with them and you can get a bucket out there. And um, and I'm doing a video right now where I go into a dollar store with my camera and I go in and I go, okay, here's, you know, here, I'm, you're going to get your golf course now. Okay, here's the bucket. Go pick, here's a bucket. Okay, here's the rope section. I get, that's your green. Okay, let's get over here. Now, yep. here's a couple of rulers. Now, these are your T markers. So, you can build a hole for four dollars, and then you get a an air golf flyer for ten bucks from our website. Okay, so for fourteen dollars, you get your own golf course, and you can set it up in your yard or a field, and you can go you can go play golf, have fun, learn the rules, and get started. <laughs> so <laughs> to yeah. me, it's uh, it's about giving the uh, being out there with the kids. Uh, they just want to be with their parents or grandparents and uh, and play and compete. Uh, we can get them there. Then when they uh, they get into the uh, into the snag or short golf, um, they're going to be a lot more excited about it because they already know what playing the game is all about, and they can relate to it. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. I know when when the girls were on, when when uh, Kate and and as I said, um, Nicole have been mm-hmm. on the shows before. They said how important it is really to get the kids introduced. Uh, in some fashion, uh, at a very early age, because once they get into their teenage years, if they've never been exposed to it, you, I, I won't say that you've lost it entirely, but you've missed a big window of opportunity. And I like your approach to this, you know, keeping it very simple and getting the parents and grandparents involved as well. And I've always said here over the last several years, I think the next evolution of golf is going to be family golf. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. there's always going to be corporate and there's always going to be uh, dad and mom and, 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 you know, couples and that. But I think family golf is really a, a way for the industry to, to make exactly what you're talking about happen is really to, and that's where the, I think a lot of the marketing and a lot of the focusing should start uh, moving into if they want to uh, continue to grow this game. That's right. You're, you're absolutely really got it. Ken. So I agree with you a hundred percent. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm working on a, on a little, uh, you know, uh, a little six-hole chip and putt uh, course right now. We're, we're drawing up the plans where you'd only play air golf and snag or short golf. So it's safe. Uh, you can build them in about an acre and a half, and uh, and you can get the kids all out playing and learning the game. And then, you know, the, it would be the, really the first steps. And then from there, then you go, you take them into the junior programs. So it, it, the, right. the pros will, will send all their beginners over there, see, so they can get yep. the swing and get the basics and learn how to play. And then when they come back to the club, they can get them right into the junior leagues and into their programs, see. And so to me, that's yep. 
if you if you go to England, or of course I've played in the British Opens and Scottish Open, the senior Britishes. If you go into those little towns uh, up in Scotland and uh, Ireland, um, a majority of the towns have a little chip and putt course uh, for yes. the kids. Uh, and they and then down a lot of the cities are on the uh, on the ocean. Um, have big, huge putting greens uh, between the main street and the and the ocean, and they'll have uh, they have huge putting greens. Some of them will be two or three hundred yards long, and the vendors come out with their carts and they cut holes in the greens, and they and people from the the city come down and they putt in the evenings, and um, it's a fabulous way. Uh, so so you you see this this happening over there, and I sure agree with you that more of these. Uh, communities and cities instead of you know tearing down the 18 hole you know city courses and building condos they ought to just keep nine holes or keep you know or make a little six hole right. course and just right. keep it as a community uh where parents and kids can go down and and play in an hour and a half or two and and not have to spend you know 50 60 dollars for greens fees so uh hopefully you know we'll it, see more of that. it, it, it yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, it reminds me of kind of an interesting story. Years ago, uh, I, I was up in Toronto, and I was visiting uh, what we call Toronto Island, which was a short little boat ride across uh, uh, off the in Lake Ontario. And mm-hmm. I remember years ago that they had these little metal baskets, uh, about the same size, maybe a little bit bigger than what you would have a large um, uh, bucket of balls on a golf course. And they had them wrapped around these trees, and I couldn't understand what it was. Well, then what, what had happened was this is when Frisbee golf first came out. And it was interesting how many people that had never played golf before but got interested in the game because of this. And this was something that the city just decided to do. No, you know, there was no business involved with The city just decided uh, somebody came up with the idea, and it just caught on. And, you know, so uh, ideas like what you're talking about, I think, are great ways to introduce the public as a general, and especially kids, uh, to the game without having to drag them out to the golf course and filling them up with a bunch of lessons um, when they don't even really understand what it is they're doing. So I think uh, what you're talking about, air golf and and then, you know, uh, subsequently snag and and other uh, great things out there and short golf uh, are great ways to introduce um, – to the masses really to the younger generation and get them first yeah. interested in just playing and going out and having some fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, uh, the, and the other game we do have, you know, we, we, uh, we call it three steps to real golf. It's on my website. We start them with air golf right. then we go to the big ball with, with the snag or short golf. And then we go to what well, we call it tee up golf. And that's where you, if you go on a golf course, you let the kids tee the ball up everywhere. And yes. then also, uh, I have some friends in California that patented a a ten inch hole that sits on top of the ground. It's called a ball hog hole on ground, and uh, specially designed with little uh, bumpers on the side. So if the ball starts rolling over the edge, it'll stop it. So we basically can put that on the green. Um, you know, when you're playing with your uh, your parents, so you put it on the green ahead of time. The kids start at the 150, but they tee the ball up everywhere. Um, right for the for the little courses. If you don't have a golf course, they have. We found these little foam uh, golf balls. They're the size of a golf ball, but they're made out of foam. So you can tee those up, and uh, yep. um, and use a nine iron or a putter, just kind of like a snag club, 
and play to our big hole on the ground. So we've got a whole system uh, that uh, the third step is going to be tee it up everywhere on the golf course and play to a big hole on the green. So that's the uh, the kids just get get as you know you you hit a big hit the big snag ball with a big plastic club to a great big target. And then you go to real golf yep. and you have a round grip yep. and a little ball on the ground to a little four-inch hole. It's so frustrating for these kids, and, and they give it up. Yes. Right? Yeah. So yep. the third step is really tee the ball up everywhere, the real ball, and play to a bigger hole. So they get the success, and then you work the ball down lower and lower to the ground where they're finally hitting it off the ground. Then you work them over from the big hole you know, to the regular size. That's the... I call it the missing ingredients. It's the missing transition that the, that the, 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 the PGA pros have not found yet. Um, and uh, hopefully they'll, you know, we'll be able to move them on over to that a little bit. It, it takes a long time to bring these innovative things in, in the game. You know, it took almost three years before the USGA or the, the, the first tee even realized that snag was really going to be the mainstay, you know, <laughs> Right. They thought of it, you know, they kept, well, oh, it's just a toy. Well, no, it really isn't because it really is. It's proven that it is the uh, way, you know, one of the most positive ways to get kids started, you know? Yeah, I think what's, yeah, you're exactly right, Wally. I think what, what's really important is if if whatever task you give a child is too difficult or too challenging, mm-hmm then frustration takes over and they give it up. They stop. And I mean, if you put a toy in front of a kid, if, if they're confused by it or they don't understand or can't seem to, to work it, they won't play. They'll push it aside and they'll find something else. So the easier and more fun you can make it um, yeah. to begin with, just to get them interested. And then like you say, sort of <laughs> almost like weaning them off it over time, um, yeah. you're going to have much, uh, yeah. much more success. And, and I agree with yeah. that, uh, analogy 100% as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Wally, listen, I, I hate to say this, but we're, we're out of time. Uh, I've just really enjoyed, <laughs> uh, having a great discussion right. with you and I, and I hope you'll come back again and we'll, we'll talk about, sure. uh, whatever you want, but let me just, let me just say this. Um, it's been an honor and a pleasure having you on as my guest this evening. Uh, you just have, have done so much for this game. Uh, some of which we talked about, we, Obviously, couldn't get through everything, but uh, maybe the next time we'll get through some other things that we didn't talk about tonight. But um, thank you for for doing all that you do, and and uh, and thank you for uh, just making this game so accessible to so many people. Um, that that just is really a testament to to uh, um, the the individual that you are, not only as a, as a golf professional, but as a human being. So uh, thank you, and God bless for that. Appreciate it so much. Uh, have a great time, and. Uh... The kids, if they want to get to the website, wallymadegolf.com, that's where all the information is on for the uh, the products and the uh, the teaching. Perfect. Um, Wally, again, thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, you have a great uh, evening and, and a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk yeah. to you soon. And I will uh, we'll have to get make sure before I close off tonight. Face. I definitely will do that. I'll make a point of that. Um, Thank you, Wally. Have a great weekend, and uh, I look forward to you joining me again in the future. Thank you, Ted. Good night. All right. All right, that was my very special guest uh, this evening, Wally Armstrong, a lifetime member of the PGA Tour, and as you uh, got a great example tonight, uh, inventor of so many great 
uh, ways of, of teaching this game uh, to all ages, really, but particularly to some of our young, uh, younger folks out there. And as Wally pointed out uh, a few times throughout the program, uh, please visit his website. It's wallymadegolf.com. It's uh, W-A-L-L-Y-M-A-D-E-G-O-L-F.com. Wallymadegolf.com. Uh, um, a lot of great products on there. Uh, some great uh, videos as well I'm sure you'll find on there. Uh, so make sure you, you visit uh, uh, his website and, uh, and check it out. And I'm sure that uh, you'll be able to purchase some of the, the great uh, teaching aids as well uh, through that website. Uh, so make sure, again, it's wallymadegolf.com. Uh, and once again, uh, as always, uh, I appreciate all the time that uh, my guests uh, on the Coach's Corner panel, Jamie and, and Pete, uh, thanks, guys, uh, for doing a great job tonight. Uh, as always, I, I know I can always count on you guys uh, to make it interesting and fun. And uh, again, uh, also to my very special guest, Wally Armstrong. Thank you uh, guys for joining me this evening on Golf Talk Live. And, and certainly, uh, most importantly, I want to thank all of you uh, listeners out there worldwide for faithfully tuning into Golf Talk Live each and every week. And as, as uh, tonight's show can attest to, I, I have a great amount of pleasure and enjoyment of having a number of highly talented coaches, teaching professionals, authors, and entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs stop by and it's really through their participation and guest appearances that have helped to make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. A special thanks to some of the supporters and sponsors of the show, um, South Coast Golf Guide's Jonathan Laird. Go to southcoastgolfguide.com to find out more about some of the great tracks uh, here in the southeastern part of the United States, from Texas right over here to the northwestern uh, part of uh, uh, Florida and all states in between. Go to southcoastgolfguide.com. You can check it out there. Uh, lots of great courses, lots of great information on there. And if you're interested in getting a copy of the a hard copy of the of the guide, uh, you can reach out to Jonathan there uh, through the website, and he'll be more than happy to ship one up to you uh, wherever you may be. Or if you're planning on uh, visiting the southeastern part of the United States, especially uh, down here in Florida, and you want a copy of the guide to uh, have in your hot little hands, it's a great little uh, small guide, so it's not uh, overly uh, cumbersome. Uh, you can visit most of your, your golf uh, courses in the area here. And as I said, it's in many of the other states, uh, right over to Texas, uh, or in uh, most of the Edwin Watts uh, stores as well. You can get them in there. So go to southcoastgolfguide.com to get your copy there. And if you're interested in any advertising opportunities, uh, you can reach out to Jonathan uh, at South Coast Golf Guide as well. Uh, Meredith Kirk, a great LPGA professional uh, in the South Carolina area in Myrtle Beach. Uh, go to Mer- uh, meredithkirk.com to learn more about her. Uh, also, Nikki and Tiffany Litherland. Uh, Nikki, a great uh, teacher, a, a golf professional, and his lovely wife, uh, Tiffany. Thank you for always continuing to help spread the word about the show. Uh, Mr. Bernie Pinder, my friend from Ontic Golf. Uh, visit onticgolf.com to learn about a great uh, customized uh, putter uh, system and uh, some great equipment there. Ontigolf.com and get your copy or get your uh, self uh, customized putter as well. Uh, Sean Kelly, from owner, uh, the owner of linkedgolfers.com. Thank you, uh, Sean, for all of your continued support. Uh, and Mr. Peter Doyle from Doyle Golf Solutions over in Ireland, a great teacher professional and a great club fitter as well. Uh, thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in each and every week uh, here, as I said. Don't forget uh, next Tuesday to join Cindy Miller and I on the Women of Golf show on blogtalkradio.com. That'll be from Tuesday uh, morning, 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern. And then Thursday, I'll be right back here with another great episode of Golf Talk Live, Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. Uh, on that note, Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. God bless, and thank you for joining me. I'll see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live.